Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. We pick back up on our series entitled Exiled, Hope in a Hostile World, after last week's brief hiatus for Father's Day. Leading us in our teaching this week is our senior pastor, the Reverend Dr. Jared Ott, who will be preaching on 1 Peter 2, 11-25. Here he is with this week's message entitled, Following His Example. Thank you for listening. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for today. I thank you for the fact that we can be in your house this morning. Lord, that we can sing your praises with a heart full of gratitude and praise. Lord, we thank you for the fact that you died for us, that you went to the cross for us, that you can have a relationship with us so that we can go through this life, as tough as it may be. Lord, you speak to us in your word, through prayer, Lord, through worship. And Lord, we thank you for this book of First Peter and how it teaches us how to live life out, especially as a regard to the government. Lord, this isn't easy, but you've made a way for us, and we thank you for that. So, Lord, I pray that you speak through me now. I pray that my lips are your lips. My heart is your heart, and you impress upon us the message you want us to hear. That we aren't just hearers of the word, but we'll be doers of it as well. And I ask all this in your precious name. Amen. Well, good morning, church. My name is Jared. I'm the senior pastor here. So glad you're here with us. We're in this series called uh, Exiled Hope in a Hostile World as we continue in this uh, this book of First Peter. First Peter isn't easy. That passage you just heard probably was uh, tough for some of you. It's a heavy passage. First Peter is a, not an easy book. It's like getting thrown into the deep end, especially if you just come to know who Christ is. It's like, how do you live out this life, right? How do we do this thing? And this passage is a tough one. We look at this and we think, oh man, this is going to be a tough one. It's talking about government, submission, talking about slaves. Maybe we should just skip it. No, we're not going to skip it, right? In fact, this week I was really... I was really, um, I was hit harder that this passage means a lot for us here in this culture, even in this city. Because, you know, this week I was thinking, man, I wonder what, what we could say that really reminds us that this is very practical. And so this week I was thinking, man, you know, sometimes there's passages in Scripture where, yeah, if we ever get to it, if we ever encounter that, then, yeah, it's applicable. And I realized this week it was pretty applicable. It was Thursday night, right? Thursday night, it was real late, I turn on the TV and I, I see the protests going on. If you don't know the story, you know that there was, some, uh, there was a young person who was shot in our, our city and the people were protesting. So they were out on the expressway. They were people who were trying to stop traffic. And it was kind of a chaotic mess out there, I remember. Seeing you know, those cars going in the opposite direction. There's people uh, laying down on the road. I thought, man, what? how crazy is that? I wonder what that would be like. So I got my kids up. We went out in the middle of our street. We laid down. No, I didn't do it. No. <laughs> I wonder what it would have been like, though, right? It was kind of a, it was kind of a mess. Now, it was a peaceful thing, but I remember the, the, the news reporter, he looked right at the camera right at the end, he said, you know, some of these people are, are stopping traffic, and, and they're doing it in a peaceful way, but some of the truckers were getting really mad because they're saying, hey, we're in a public road, you can't block us from driving here. And So I remember the news reporter even said, when is it okay that we, that we can, is it okay to break one law to pro- protest another? I thought, oh. Hope he's going to answer it. Nope, he just signed off after that, right? Went back to the news. I thought, man, that's amazing. Then Saturday morning, woke up. There's a different protest, but some of them aren't as peaceful, right? They're they're flipping cars over. This was in in another city. They were flipping cars over. They were throwing stuff at this one car and like destroying this, this place. We've seen these protests, right? They're smashing windows, all kinds of other stuff. And I go, when is it okay to break one law to protest another? Now, we have a right as the citizens to be able to stand up and hear our voice. But here's the question. When is it okay? When do we do that? 
So this passage this week, you would say, well, that's a passage Peter wrote that long ago. Oh, no, it applies to us here today. How do we apply it? I once knew a guy who, uh, he didn't want to pay taxes. And so he saved all his money, he got paid in cash, and he put it in, like, jars and would hide it in his basement. I was going to call him a good friend, but I kind of distanced myself a little bit from him, right? Because he didn't want to pay taxes. He said, listen, I don't like what the government's doing. I don't like this authority. I'm not going to pay him, right? I, rem- I remember, too, it's sometimes more subtle than that. I remember being with a gentleman. He was showing me around his, his property. He had tons of acres of land, right? And we were one of these ATVs, and he's showing me his property. We were way on the edge of his property. He said, this is my property line. There's trespassing signs on the other side. And he just plows right through it and goes down the hill into his neighbor's yard. I thought, you saw the trespassing sign, right? He said, yep, but listen, I'm a firm believer that God owns everything, Right? And I'm a firm believer that I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a person in the, in the heavenly realm, and so I'm a heavenly being, so I can go wherever I want. I said, I hope you believe that, because if that guy comes out with a shotgun protecting his property, you're going to be in heaven quicker than you realize, right? When is, it okay, when, we, when is it okay to break one law to protest something else? Now, listen, we all have, a, we all have an opinion. About authority. We all have an opinion about stuff. I see it on Facebook. I see it on social media. We have an opinion. It's okay to have an opinion. It's okay to say who's, what people in authority are doing what. And it's okay to have that opinion. But the question is, is how do we really submit? So you may look at this passage and go, yeah, it's First Peter. It doesn't really apply to us. Peter was dealing with something then that we deal differently now. Absolutely not. In fact, what I want you to see when Peter, as we look through this passage, is Peter is either, when he talks about submission to authority, he is either absolutely right or he's dead wrong in his approach. He's absolutely right or he's dead wrong when he talks about submission to authority. The question here for this morning is, which way are we going to do it? Man's way or God's way? You may say, well, how do, I don't understand how we submit. This is a powerful passage. What if things are going on in government? Well, what if things are going on in the authority around us? How do we really submit? This is a tough passage in this day and age. It's tough for Peter. Peter was dealing with the same kind of stuff, right? Peter was in prison. Nero was killing Christians all around him. In fact, kill, Nero was killing Christians just to put them on stakes and burn them to light up his gardens. Peter was dealing with stuff harsher even more so than what we deal with. In fact, you may say, well, Peter was here today. He would tell us it's, you know, we're dealing with different stuff. No, if Peter were here today, he'd say, man, you guys got it pretty easy. How do we submit to authority? How do we do that? First, you've got to understand why we submit in the first place. We cannot talk about how if you don't understand why. Right? We've got to understand why. So why do we submit? Well, first off, you've got to understand that every government, every government has been put there by God. Paul talks about this in Romans. Paul, Romans, uh, Paul says this, he says, Let everyone be subject to governing authorities, for there's no authority except with that God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Every authority has been put there by God. Paul was dealing with the same kind of stuff. Paul was getting persecuted. Paul was in prison. And he writes this, he says, Let every, everyone be subject to governing authorities. There's no authority. God has put everything in control. Here's the key. Once you start saying that this world is out of control, that we live in a, in a, in a hostile world, there's no control, then you say, you know what, really God has no control. So I'm going to start taking back control, and I'm going to start doing this thing. The question is, is God's way or man's way? Paul says, every, everybody... Everything. Everything's been put there by God. In fact, Jesus said the same thing. He said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, right? Every authority's been put there by God. When you say, well, what about the bad ones? Even the bad ones. 
We submit because God even uses bad governments for his will. I love Jeremiah 25. It says this, Therefore the Lord Almighty says this, Because you have not listened to my words, I have summoned the peoples from my north and my south. My servant Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, declares the Lord. And I will bring them against this land and its inhabitants and all the surrounding nations. And I will completely destroy them and make them an object of horror and scorn and an everlasting ruin. Even the bad ones. God used Nebuchadnezzar. He was a terrible, terrible king. God says, he's my servant. I'm going to use him. We saw this with Saul. You remember Saul's terrorizing Christians all over the place. He was there at the stoning of Peter. And then on the road to Damascus, he has this conversion. And God grabs a hold of his life. Some of you have dealt with that conversion as well. God grabs a hold of your life. And it's totally different. He was in a place of authority. Now he's going out and ministering and witnessing to millions upon millions of people. And ends up writing much of the New Testament inspired by the Holy Spirit. God uses even evil people for his will. So you can't understand how we submit or how we deal with government until you first understand why. We submit because, one, every government's been put there by God. And secondly, even the bad ones God uses. Thirdly, we submit because we're commanded to. That's where we come to the passage today. It's in your service sheets. I encourage you to turn there. We're going through 1 Peter. It's 1 Peter 2, verse 13. It's a very... 1 Peter 2, 2 has tons of stuff in it. We'll never get through it here this morning. But just in a few minutes we have, we look at, start at verse 13. It says, submit yourselves. We submit because we're commanded to. I remember years ago, I was working with Silver Ring Thing. It's a sexual abstinence program, and we were doing these big shows, and what we would do is we'd have all these lights, and we'd have uh, all this music going on. It was kind of like a three-hour concert. We'd have smoke machines in the room. A lot of times, what would happen is we'd get too many people at these events. So it'd be like this size crowd, except like ten times as many people, like too many people. And I remember we were out, uh, so I don't even know where we were, somewhere out in the Midwest, I think, or in the South. And I remember there was one uh, show that we had, and there were so many people, and there was so much smoke in the room that the fire alarm started going off, right? And you know that it, you know what happens. It's that light that flashes, and you hear that siren going off, right? Well, one of our high school students, dear high school student that I brought with me, thought it would be a good idea. He said, listen, I know they're going to tell us to leave, but we really want to finish this show, right? It's for a good reason. So he had this genius idea to take duct tape and tape all the lights that were flashing so you couldn't see them. And then he went around and got sweatshirts and taped those to where the sirens were blaring, right? Then he tried to stay in the back door and keep the door shut. (laughs) And so I went up to him and I said, you can't do that. They're going to come in and they're going to ask us to leave. He said, why do we need to do that? And I remember telling him, listen, we got to submit because that's what we're commanded to do. And as soon as I said that, the fire marshal walked up to us, right? He said, who's in charge here? I said, he just left. He just walked out the door, right? (laughs) Tall guy, lots of hair. He walked right out the door, right? Listen, we submit because we're asked to. That's why we're commanded to do it. That's the authority we have. Now, here's the thing you've got to see from 1 Peter. 1 Peter talks about submission in government in verse, verse 13. He also talks about submission in our workplaces in verse 18. Servants, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. You think, well, he's talking about slaves. Jared, you're going to talk about slaves? In the Greek, that's not what he's referring. He's not talking about slaves how we would think of slaves. Slaves at that point, when he's talking about, he's talking about a domestic servant of a household. Somebody who works, who has the same authority over a bunch of people. It's submission in the workplace. These weren't slaves. These were people that were working. A domestic servant in a household. Some of you have to go to work tomorrow. Many of you do. You're going to have to go and you're thinking, how am I supposed to submit to my boss, right? Who I don't like. 
Some of you are bosses, right? And you're going, I love this sermon. I hope we can have a staff meeting and everybody can hear this message, right? Because they're going to submit to me. Listen, it's about submission in the workplace. It's about submission in government. Anytime you have authority over you, why are we to do it? We're to do it because we're commanded to. That's why. Every government's put, put there by God, even the bad ones, we're commanded to do it. That's why we submit. So the question is, is how? Some of you are saying, you don't understand my boss. You don't understand the people I work for. You don't understand the government, right? You don't understand what they're doing, the laws that they're making. You don't get it. Peter, Peter gets it. He was there. How do we submit? Peter talks all about how to submit. He's either right or he's dead wrong. First, we've got to have the right motive. Verse 13 says this, the second part of 13. says, submit to God for the Lord's sake. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake. Not for my sake. Not for your friend's sake or your parents' sake. For the Lord's sake. That's why we submit. You know, I, it's, if you're going to call yourself a Christian... But then we, you go and conduct yourself in all kinds of like civil disobedience. You're really sending a bit of a mixed message, aren't you? You're saying, hey, listen, I, I've been, I'm going to follow what God commanded me to do, and I'm a, I'm a child of light, and, uh, and I love the Lord, and I'm going to follow His commands. And then we go act in all kinds of civil disobedience. It really sends a bit of a mixed message, doesn't it? You say, well, I, I don't understand. You're breaking all kinds of laws. You're doing whatever you want to do. You're not paying taxes. You're not trespassing, you're, you're doing all kinds of stuff, you're breaking all kinds of laws, how can you really call yourself a Christian? We do it for God's sake. That's the right motive. That's the right motive. We also have to understand the context, or excuse me, we have to understand the extent. Look at verse uh, 13. It says, to every human authority, even the emperor as the supreme uh, authority, or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do Right. Uh, you know, what Peter's saying here, it would be tragic if Peter said to most human authorities, right? Or to some human authorities, or the ones that are good, or the ones that are acting right. It would be tragic if he said that. He's not saying that. The Holy Spirit's saying, hey, listen, it's to every human authority, emperor, supreme authority, to governors, anybody sent by him. You've got to submit to anybody, though. Anybody. You say, but anybody? You, you don't understand. These people are terrible people. Peter was working with a terrible leader. Nero was going to kill Peter. He understands how evil people can be. He's saying, listen, you've got to submit to every human authority. Now, there are some people in government here this morning. I know there's some people in our church connected to our church and government, and I think it's wonderful. We have a civic duty to, to get involved, to get our voice heard, to, to let everybody, let people know what people are, are voting for. Listen, if you are in government right now, this is a verse for you, because some people would ask me, is there any verses for government? Absolutely. What's a, a person in government to do? Right there. They are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. That's the job. It's the role. I said, if we're going to get incarcerated, if we're going to be put in prison, let it be for something good. Let it be because we're, we're preachers of righteousness, not the fires of the law. You say, well, Jared, what if, how do you know when it's bad? How do you know when you're not supposed to submit? Peter and John, they were in prison. How do you know when you're not supposed to submit? What are the good things that we stand against? There are times in Scripture, there are times in Scripture where there has been a requirement or a mandate for us personally, a decree to defy God's law. It's a decree from the government that people said no. 
because it was a personal mandate for us specifically to defy God's law. We see in Exodus 2. If you remember Exodus 2, they, they said you've got to kill all the firstborn sons. And so what happens is Moses doesn't die. He gets put in a basket and sent, sent down the river, right? What happens? God takes care of Moses. They said, listen, you are required to kill the firstborn sons. And the, some of the women said, absolutely not. That defies God's law. It defies uh, what God would ever tell us to do. So we're not going to do it. So Moses gets in a basket and goes down in the river, the Nile River. God protects him. We see it again in Daniel 3. Remember Daniel 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that great Sunday school story. They say, hey, listen, you three, you've got to bow down to this Baal idol, right? And they say, that's, that's totally against what God would command us to do. It's not you should or could you, or if you want to bow down, it's you have to bow down. And they said, absolutely not. We're not doing it. So they get thrown in the fiery furnace. What happens? They don't burn up. God protects them. It happens later in Daniel. Daniel, the king tells Daniel, Daniel, you can't pray anymore. You cannot pray anymore. That happens in countries nowadays. You can't pray anymore. Daniel goes right away and prays. What happens? He gets caught. He gets thrown in the lion's den. What happens? Angel comes and protects him. There's times when we're decrees where we say, absolutely not. Peter was dealing with this too. In Peter and Acts, he's going around preaching the gospel. The people come up and said, Peter and John, you cannot preach anymore. And they say, how dare you tell us we can't preach? Judge for yourself what is right. Whether we should do, obey you rather than God. It says in Acts 4.18. He says, listen, I'm going to preach because that's what God commanded us to do. Because they were making a personal decree for them not to preach anymore. That's what we can say, listen. That's where we don't submit. That's where it's defying God's law because it's a personal command for us. So we've got to know the extent, but we also have to know the reason. Verse 15 says, For God's will, by doing good, you should silence the talk of ignorant or foolish people. You know, when Peter and John were told that they can't do that, they can't preach, they kept preaching. In Acts 4.12 it says this, Salvation is found in no one else, they said. For there's no other name, no other name under heaven, which my men must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they realized they were astonished. They realized they had been with Jesus. So Peter and John said, listen, no, we're going to continue to preach. And they looked at Peter and John and they said, man, these people are different. They're, they're ordinary people, but they're doing something different, something greater. In the passage that we just read in 1 Peter 2, when it talks about they hurled insults at Jesus in verse 23, he, made, he didn't retaliate, he didn't suffer, he made no threats, he entrusted himself to him who is judged justly. So when, when they're attacking Jesus, he didn't, he didn't, retaliate, he didn't retaliate, he didn't uh, fight back, he didn't, he didn't punch him back, he didn't uh, hurl insults at them. You go, okay, must be, a, must be the, the right reason. There must be influence there. Do you ever wonder why Jesus says, turn the other cheek? I always wonder that. Jesus says, if somebody, your neighbor assaults you or attacks you, turn the other cheek. You go, and that's, what, what are we like? A, people are going to walk all over us, right? I'm just supposed to turn the other cheek? So when someone hits me, I'm just supposed to turn the other cheek? Like, like, I, like my feelings don't matter? What does that mean? I always wonder what that means. Because when my brother and sister were fighting, and they, my sister hit me, I never turned the other cheek. That's for sure, right? Why, why would Jesus say that? Why would Jesus say, turn the other cheek? Is it because they're letting people walk over us? No, it's because of the influence. Because if you turn the other cheek, people are going to go, man, there must be something different about them. Because if they turn the other cheek, they're standing there taking this punishment, taking this beating like Jesus took on the cross, and they didn't fight back. There must be a higher power that they're, that they're referring to. There must be something greater in their life. That's the influence that you have. 
It's something greater. It's something beyond herself. That's why it, when it says Jesus, he, he entrusted himself to him who judges rightly. There are folks that just went to the Dominican Republic and came back. This is about missions. The people that went to the Dominican Republic just came back. They were not there on vacation. Okay? You can ask them right now. They're happy to be back in a bed with electricity and air conditioning. But they were not on vacation. The people in Uganda that are there right now are not there on a safari while looking at animals and sipping drinks by the, by the pool. They're there ministering to people. You say, okay, I get it. The idea of the fact that they're even there is a huge influence. When you ever go on missions, just showing up is a huge influence. Because people will say, man, there must be something different. They came down to this area, a poor, desolate, third world country, and they're going to live amongst us for the next number of days or weeks. There must be something different. That's the influence that Peter's talking about here. He's saying, listen, you're going to put yourself out there. It's going to be about influence. You're going to influence something. When you show up on missions, if you ever have a chance to go, you will find that people embrace you so much. They're so happy that you're just there. And your testimony goes a lot further. If you work with you got uh, Urban Impact or maybe a ministry here at the church or some other ministry, people might say, I wonder why they do that. Why would they go down on the north side and help people in need? I wonder if it's because of the paycheck. No. I wonder if it's because of the fame that they'll get. No. It's because they're doing it because of a higher power. They're submitting to a higher authority. They realize that God is in control. They're going to use us to influence others. That's what Peter's talking about. You've got to know the reason of why we submit. We submit because it silences the talk of foolish and ignorant people. And then, finally, we've got to have the right attitude, too. Look at verse 16. It says, live as free people. But don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor got to have the right attitude. You, we have wonderful freedoms here, don't we, in this country? And it's a great privilege. Next week, 4th of July, we're going to be celebrating that as we look at 4th of July. We have great freedoms here. But freedom becomes a, is not a privilege when it allows us to do things that we simply don't want to do. That's when freedom becomes a problem. Because we say, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to pay taxes. I'm not going to trespass. I'm going to break all kinds of laws. I don't want to submit to authority. That's the problem with freedom is because it, then sometimes it allows us to do things we don't want to do. And that's what Peter saying. He says, live as free people. Don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Don't say, well, I'm a Christian, so I can do this. God's going to forgive me or, or we're doing this uh, out of righteousness. No, don't use it as a cover-up for evil is what Peter's saying. What a wonderful freedom we have that we are... We are free, but we are slaves of Christ. It's a wonderful freedom, but it's the lowest level of servanthood. It's not to do what's wrong. Our freedom now is for, for us to do what is right. It's, it's freedom to serve God. That's what Peter is saying. He said, listen, you have a freedom to serve God and let people see that. Then he says this, show proper respect, love the family of believers, fear God, honor the emperor. And I love the order that he puts it in here because if he said first honor the emperor, then fear God or then we'd say, okay, you've got to honor first and then fear God. In other words, we don't submit to God first. Well, Peter's saying, listen, God is in control. Every government is put there by God. He even uses the bad ones. He commands us to do. He's in control. We've got to fear God. Then we honor the emperor. The question is, do you really believe God is in control? God's way or man's way? So we understand why. We understand how. But here's the ultimate question is, who do we submit to? And this is the Sunday school answer, but it means so much. We submit to God. 
We submit to God. 1 Timothy 2 says this, Urge then, first of all, prayers and petitions, intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live in peace and quiet lives and godliness and holiness. We've got to submit to God. Do we have a civic duty to speak our minds? Absolutely. But a lot of times what happens is, is we think we put it in our own hands and we forget to appeal to God. We forget to appeal to God that He's in control. And we do it our own way, man's way, not God's way, man's way. Peter knows full well what it's like. He was in prison. He's in prison in Acts 12. And everybody's praying. Everybody's praying. Acts 12.5 says this, So when Peter was in prison, the church was earnestly praying for him. Peter doesn't saying, hey, let's, let's get a riot going, or hey, let's, let's get a committee going here, or let's send out leaflets, or make sure you post this on social media. He's not saying, hey, make sure everybody send a postcard to everybody, or, or, or let's let everybody know what's going on here. No, no, no. The, the, the church understood full well who was in control here. The church understood that, that God was in control. That's why they were praying. You see, the church nowadays, I think some of the church nowadays would say, well, if it was just a Christian jailer, it'd be okay. Or maybe it was a Christian judge, it'd be okay. And they forget the appeal to God. They think they do it man's way and not God's way. We submit to God. The question is, will you submit to God? We remember to submit to Him before man. We're going to close and ask the band to come. It's a great song we're going to sing here. So we remember, we've got to submit to God. But as the church is praying, if we remember the story in Acts 12, the, the angel comes and lets him out. Angel comes, lets him out, he walks out, Peter and John, because of prayer. Not because of a petition, not because people were signing a paper, because of prayer. Paul encountered the same thing. We see it again in Acts 16. Paul's in prison, right? It says about midnight, Paul and Silas are praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to him. Paul wasn't saying, hey, listen, make sure you post this. Make sure you get a petition going. Those things are not bad things. I'm not saying they're bad things. I'm just saying that he remembers that first and foremost, he's got to submit to God. So he's praying. Why do we submit to God? Because we're fighting against powers that are, that are big, that are huge. And It says in 1 Corinthians 10.3, Though we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. That's what Peter, that's what Paul understood. Say, listen, you don't fight it man's way, you fight it God's way. This week, all week, I was thinking about David and Goliath. You know the story. It's a great story. You think, what does David and Goliath have anything to do with what we're talking about? You remember, Goliath is there. He's this giant. And he's going to go against the Israelites. And he's banging his shield week after week. He says, come on, attack me. Who's going to come attack me? Who's going to come out here? Who's going to fight me? And all the Israelites are like, absolutely not. I am not going out to fight that giant. No way. He's bigger, he's stronger, forget it. And so for weeks, they just sit by. Sometimes we, even as young people, there's a lot of young people here, we get to the point of government where we say, you know what, I can't deal with it, I don't like this authority, I don't like what's going on, so I'm just going to retreat back. It's a hostile world, so let me just escape it. Or let me not deal with it. That's what the Israelites did. They said, I'm not going to deal with it. It's too big, too strong, too mighty, forget it. And it was David who came. Boy, we can learn a lot from kids, can't we? It was David who came and said, I'll take it on. I'll take on Goliath. 
And so again, they said, all right, we got this guy. He's going to take on Goliath. But you, before he goes out there, you got to remember what happens in the tent with David and Saul. David's in the tent with Saul, and Saul says, okay, if you're going to go out against Goliath, you got to do it man's way. Here's my armor. So he starts putting all the armor on David, right? He starts putting all the armor on, and David is way down. He can't even walk. And Saul's like, how's that feel? He said, get this stuff off me. I can't go out like this. I'm not going to fight it your way. I'm going to fight it a different way. I'm going to go out in the name of my Father Almighty, and I'm going to take on that giant. That's what David did. David said, listen, I'm going to appeal to a higher power. He goes out, one swing, boom. You got to remember, you got to appeal to God. We don't fight the way the world fights. We don't fight man's way. We fight God's way. That's one encouragement for you as you go through life is you got to remember, we got to be praying for our government. We pray, we, we do through prayer and petition. I know... The other day, my kids were talking about something, and all these kids in their schools were talking about their different opinions on the government. We said, listen, we got to pray. we got to pray for them. Parents, you got to teach your kids to pray. you got to be praying, too. We pray for our governments, because we fight differently. We fight with weapons that have divine power. And so, in your service sheets, you have this prayer here for your, our country. It's just a simple prayer. I encourage you to take with you to remind you to pray for our country. We appeal to Ohio power. There's a lot of prayers that we can pray for a country. But let me close with this as I pray this prayer out loud. You pray in your hearts along with me. As we appeal to God with weapons that have divine power. Almighty God, we come to honor you this day. Come to acknowledge that you are the one who can rightly lead and guide our country. For us, Forgive us for the way we have turned our backs on you in so many ways and bring us back as a people who seek to follow you. We ask that you bless our country with wisdom, your love, your compassion. May we be a people who pursue you and your plans for us, individually and corporately. Lord, we ask that you bless our leaders. May these servants in positions of authority take their responsibilities seriously, doing their very best each day. May they realize their need for you, for your direction. May they hear your voice as they make their decisions. May they follow your guidance. May they have a passion for people, for truth, for righteousness. Lord, we ask for your blessing on service men and women. We ask for your protection for our men and women in uniform, both here and around the world. We are grateful for their service, their dedication to keeping our nation safe, and we thank you for the blessings of life and liberty. May our country continually express love and give honor to you. May our dedication to you cause us to be an influence in our world, to our nations, and to have peace and harmony as described in your word. And finally, Lord, we ask that you be with all those who are oppressed and downtrodden, especially those who don't know you as their Savior and Lord. May there be many who come to know you as their Lord to understand their sacrifice, your love, your grace. I pray that your gospel may be one day preached in this land from shore to shore, openly, truthfully, and keep us from compromising your word of truth. Restore to this nation the joy of your salvation. We ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.